listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Um, and congratulations. You know, I, I, I've been in the church planting business. I've pastored churches. Um, and uh, the, the truth of the matter is, over the first few years of a church's life, um, change is about the only constant. I mean, that's just the reality. Uh, new faces, new ideas, new challenges, new opportunities kind of come at you like uh, mosquitoes uh, in a rice field. They're just everywhere. And uh, it, it, it never stops. Um, and, and you know, I, I know for James, for Chris, for all of you, um, your expectation of what things uh, would look like have probably changed. I think you've already said that. Uh, and uh, as I was thinking about today, uh, well, as I was thinking about today, what, what just transpired sort of threw that under the bus. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up here and talk just a few minutes while I'm writing a sermon in the back of my head because it, it's... It, um, I don't, I don't know who Chris introduced. I don't know that person. Uh, but, uh, no, um, I, I love Chris uh, like my own and uh, love the privilege of, of uh, working with him and, uh, and, and the life we've lived together. And uh, I remember uh, I got a phone call to go to Tallahassee, Alabama to do an installation of a preacher over there. And these two, had y'all were just starting to date? Two weeks. About two weeks. And I put them in the truck and they drove to Tallahassee from Jackson, Alabama. So I'm the one that basically made sure they were going to make it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's my story. But anyway. Um, I. I I could wander around aimlessly here uh, for a while. But, uh, you know, one of the things I've done with my children from, from the very get-go, uh, I mean, from the time they were small enough to, to um, go to pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, high school, leaving to go on whatever, the last thing they heard their daddy say Remember who you are. My granddaddy said that to me in Itabina, Mississippi. Uh, he's like, Sonny boy, remember who you are. And it just kind of stuck in the back of my mind, remember who you are. And, and the truth of the matter is, uh, we need to remember who we are because that's one of the easiest things to do. Now, are you trying to record me? <laughs> okay, we're going to probably wear that thing out. I, uh, I've never been guilty of standing still. Uh, I failed every preaching class in seminary because of that. Uh, I'll stand as still as I possibly can for about eight seconds and then I'm going to move. Um, 
But I, I looked at my kids and I said, remember who you are. And, and, and we, we, were, we were prone to that. And, and I, I remember one October in, uh, in 2011, my uh, youngest uh, came home from college. Middle of the semester. And uh, kind of shocked me that she was doing it. I'm like, wow, she's coming home to, to, to see daddy. Because she just misses me. And uh, she walks in and said, Daddy, I forgot who I was. She was pregnant. And uh, our life turned upside down. But, but here's the thing. She said, Daddy, I forgot who I was. But God reminded me who I am. And it, it, it stuck with me because... The truth is, the world we live in is tearing at every one of us every day. Uh, we, we're, we're posed with a very real, very serious uh, challenge uh, to our uh, lives as individuals, but more particularly as a church. You're, you're going to be challenged constantly. Uh, and, and the little passage that, that I read, that Chris read for me here today, uh, I've lived in this passage for, for 30 something years, uh, just sitting there. And, and I try to go back to it at least weekly because what, what Peter's doing here is he's calling attention to the fact that because of the pressures of life in a fallen world, the, the pressures of family life, the pressures of. of, of, of of careers, the, 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 the pressures of friendship, the pressures of, of the pursuits, the activities, the, 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 the commitments that, that keep our lives full and, and busy, there is a constant danger of forgetting who I am and getting caught up in all of those things. I mean, as a pastor, I, I, I can easily get caught up in the busyness of being a pastor uh, and forget that I'm a husband, I'm a dad, that I'm just a human, you know? Just a human. I, I, you know, y'all are celebrating a, a six-year anniversary. Uh, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Selma, this year is our 186th anniversary. Some of our original members are still attending. <laughs> They vote. Complain about the music. They complain about the pre they complain about the length of the sermon. I'm like, you know. I, okay. But whether you've been here six years or 186 years, there's this danger of forgetting who you are as a as an individual and and and, and as a church. And, and it's easy for us to forget that uh, we're, we're much more than just a gathering of people. Uh, we're much more than just a, a group of individuals. There's so much more to who we are than we really give thought to and give credit to. But, but Peter's also addressing a, another danger uh, that's rampant, particularly in the American religious experience, and it's the danger of a, a, a rank individualism where we turn Christianity into this private Jesus and me sort of pursuit 
where you just try to be a, a, a lone ranger in this and, and you get your little spiritual fix and you're going to go and do your thing and, and uh, everything else is, is irrelevant. But, but that's not compatible with New Testament Christianity because Christianity, and, and this is one of the things I love about James and, and what you're doing here, it, it's intensely relational. It is communal. It is a collective religion. <clears throat> and the truth is, none of us were created to be spiritual lone rangers. And that's, that's why Scripture uses uh, the, the, uh, these one another uh, commands over two dozen times in, in, in the New Testament. Ideas uh, like encourage one another, uh, love one another, rebuke one another, encourage. Uh, all of these one another passages remind us that as a body, as a family, uh, we have a responsibility to one another. That's, that's one of the most significant realities that, that we, we have to hang on to. So, you know, wh whether you've thought about this or not, you are, by grace and divine appointment, you are spiritually connected to everybody sitting in this room. You are spiritually connected to a group of folk in Selma, Alabama who are worshiping at 301 Broad Street right now. You're spiritually connected to the folks who are, are, are down the hill at the church and, and on the other side of town and, and, and in Northern Ireland and, and in South Africa. You are spiritually connected and your family. So you're not here today to simply get a blessing and go about your life. Uh, no, as, as Peter's talking about identity here, uh, he's speaking intentionally and specifically about who we are. Who we are. Because who we are defines what we ought to be about. Our identity clarifies our responsibility. Now, when uh, Peter talks about uh, identity here, he uses four terms. He talks about being a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. Uh, what, what's he talking about there? Uh, quickly, just, you know, he talks about a chosen race. Uh, he's not talking about skin color, that sort of thing. Uh, but notice something significantly here that, that, that Peter uh, says that we are chosen, not choice. Now that's a subtle or maybe not so subtle uh, distinction. A, a reminder that apart from anything you do, any of your achievements, any of your abilities, any of your accumulations, God has chosen you by His grace to be a part of His kingdom, to, 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 to be a part of His family. And, and it's not because of anything in us. It's entirely His good grace. So we are here not because we have woken up and decided, you know what, I'm going to be a part of that family. My kids look at me all the time and they're like, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to wear you out. Um, my kids look at me and say, you know, 
Daddy, uh, this isn't necessarily the family we'd have chosen. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure out how that's going to affect what you get for Christmas. Uh, but every one of them are like, man, it's so awesome to be a part of this crazy family. You know? That, that, and James, forgive me, I'm giving you permission today to look and say, you know what? Uh, this is not the family I would have chosen to be a part of, but man, I cannot imagine being a part of any other family. Because it's God's doing that you're here. It's God's doing that you're a part of this amazing family. And if anybody has been willing to look in the mirror or, or hold a mirror up to your family, you know there's no such thing as a, a, a perfect family. You know? But the one who has put us together has a perfect intent, a perfect plan. And he says, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. And, and uh, Peter's wanting us to understand that, that little tidbit about who we are. You're here because of God's doing. Now, as I said, this, this isn't really an issue of, 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 of skin color or ethnicity or anything like that. I mean, when you, when you talk about the church, we're not, we're not divided by any of those typical divisive issues that separate us. Uh, what he's helping us understand here is you're here by God's choosing. You're here by God's design. So you're no longer divided by all of those things that we typically allow to divide us, like being American or being European or being African American or being white. Here's what he wants us to understand. You are a child of God. That's the most important reality. That's a bedrock reality of your identity. We've been given identity that... That, that levels the playing field and makes us something incredibly uh, desirous. And that is one people, a family. And no matter your language, no matter your, your origin, uh, if you are in Christ and that you are here, you're part of the family. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know? That's what I told my kids. I said, okay, this isn't the family you would have chosen, but there's not a thing you can do about it, so let's make the best of it. And we do. If you know anything about Old Testament history, you know that, that for several thousand years, God's people couldn't enter His presence. They, they, uh, only the priests could approach the, uh, the place of God's dwelling. And and, and yet you'll remember that when Jesus was crucified, it says that there in the temple that the veil dividing the outer court from the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies, was torn in two. And, and you know, as, as I've thought about that over the years, I'm like, imagine being that, 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 that person that was standing there making sure nobody went into the Holy of Holies. And you're standing there, and everybody else is outside crucifying Jesus, and all of a sudden you hear this loud thunder, the earth starts shaking, and this great big 
veil that separated the Holy of Holies from uh, everything else falls down. And you've been told since before you were born that if you look inside there, you're going to die. And all of a sudden that veil turns. What are you going to do? Are you going to stand there with your back to No, you're going to turn around and look at it. And this guy probably turned around and looked at it. And you know what happened? He didn't die. He didn't die. Because at that moment, Jesus purchased access for you and me right at the feet of a holy God. And, and what Peter is saying to him, he says, that's who you are. I mean, if, if you showed up in Selma, let's say at midnight, how many of y'all, if I gave you my address, how many of you would show up at my house at midnight, knock on the door? Maybe. Well, I know you, Caroline, you would. Of course you would. <laughs> I mean, that'd make you uncomfortable, wouldn't it? But my kids, guess what they do at midnight? They call me. Hey, Daddy. Guess what's going on? Oh, look, I want to show you a picture of the grandkids. I'm like, you know what? I... Thank you. Okay, awesome. Only a child would dare assume that sort of access. And what Peter's saying to us is, that's what you have. God has you part of this family by His design and He's looked at you and said, at midnight, you come on and knock on my door. Come on in. You're welcome. That's who you are. That's what we are. Now, he goes on, he says that, that, that we're a holy nation. Uh, we've been set apart. That's what this whole idea of holy uh, has reference to your, your citizenship has been transferred from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, of, of heaven, the kingdom of God. We've been set apart. We've been declared a new people. And your first allegiance is no longer to anything on this earth. It is to the living God. We are, are Christians. We are children of the living God. We are family. We've been chosen from and set apart from all the other uh, nations and ethnicities and groups and, and communities and identities of the earth. We've been made God's people. And he says finally that you are a people from our own possession. The, there's a Hebrew word there and, and, and I love it. it, it because just the way it sounds. Segula. You are my treasured possession. Now let me ask you something. How, how many? Okay, I'm, I'm going to embarrass him. I, I love to follow Chris along on Facebook and see how he adores his wife. I love that. But that's a, 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 a weak facsimile of the way God adores us. You know? How many of you have ever allowed yourself to sit back and think, you know what? The one who created this, the one who, as Hebrew says, sustains all this by the word of his power, the one who keeps the stars from falling on our heads, the one who keeps the moon going around the earth so the tides don't overtake us, the one who keeps air pumping through your... The one who has... has 
started all things from beginning. That God looks at you and says, I adore you with all of my heart. In other words, I adore you to infinity and beyond. How about that? You know what I mean? He's like, that's how I care for you. All right, so think about that. If that's who you are, you're here, you're family, you're, you're here because God wants you to be a part of that. You're, you're, you're set apart. You are, are treasured. What do you do with that? Do you just put it in your pocket and go your merry way and say, well, all right, that's awesome. No, there, there's meaning behind that. There's purpose in that. And what Peter is saying here, very simply, is that you are who you are for a very distinct purpose. You are not simply who you are individually. You are who you are as a church so that you may proclaim the excellencies of the Savior who has made you His. Now, he's not telling us here to, to proclaim an ideology or a theology. He's not saying go make everybody Presbyterians. Heaven, help us. I hope that never happens. I, I, I tell people all the time, I was Baptist till I was saved. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's, that's the way that was. I mean, in Itabina, you, you weren't allowed to, to go to the grocery store. You weren't allowed in Piggly Wiggly unless you were a member of First Baptist Church. It just didn't happen. I mean, that's just the way it was. So, I, I mean, that's not the, the thing that sets us apart. What sets us apart is that we have been made who we are so that we can point to the excellencies of the one who has made us who we are. We are called to point people singularly and solely to a person, the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We offer the world a redeemer. We offer uh, a world a redeemer by proclaiming his excellencies and, 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 and telling how this Redeemer has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And, and uh, we're called to talk about how God in His sovereignty, God in His, his, his wisdom has, has led and, and has, has, has orchestrated your story, how in His power He has supplied your every need, how He in His grace has helped you see your need, and how... In His mercy, He's forgiven you. How He loves you with a love that will not let you go. And, and what He's calling us to, to do here is to rest in the story of who we are. Think about that. How does the story of who you are shape what you do? We, we are called to be characters in this great story of God, to, to be carriers of this great story of God, to talk about His excellent power, His excellent mercy, His excellent grace, His excellent love. And, and we have those opportunities and we have to take advantage of it. And the truth is, you're going to forget who you are. At some point, life is going to crash in and and and, and sin and, 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 and doing all the things that you don't want to do, those things are going to become more enticing and easier than following and obeying and honoring Jesus. Self-sufficiency is going to be easier. 
Individualism is going to be easier. Being a spiritual consumer is going to be easier. And one of the great dangers we face is that these truths don't penetrate into the depths of our spiritual lives. And your faith will become as... And, and, and here's, here's what's going to happen over the course of time. Your faith will become much more entrenched in, in, a, in a visible, active, formal, programmed, and... and and, and, and scheduled ministry uh, opportunity. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. The gospel ought to shape the way you interact. Uh, if you're a student, with how you interact with your fellow students and, and, and your teachers. It, husbands, it, 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 it ought to shape how you speak and relate to your wife. Wives, it ought to shape how you speak and interact with your husbands. You know, remembering who you are helps you understand that, you know what, I don't have to be something that I'm not and go and find something out there that I already have in Christ. Does that make sense? He's looking at us and saying, don't, don't try to do that. You're not going to be satisfied. Remember who you are is simply a reminder for us to look and say, okay, God has me. I'm His. He's not going to forget me. He's not going to turn me away. I may never achieve great things, but I belong to God. I, I, my body, my spirit may be broken, but I belong to God. I may be struggling in my brokenness right now, but I still belong to God. I may be alone right now, but I still belong to God. I may be confused, I may be worried, I may be facing the unexpected, but I still belong to God. And I'm going to praise the one who holds me right now forever. There, there are five words that I, I like to leave people with <coughs> when I'm talking about this sort of thing. And, and they're very simple. And, and I generally keep a stack of sticky notes with me on a Sharpie because it's my favorite counseling tool. Five simple words, seven syllables. Father, I belong to you. That is who I am. And because of that, I can sing of the excellencies of the one who has made me who I am. You know, folks, and, and I know I, I could ramble on forever here. Oh. Um, Moving forward, you're, you're going to be tempted to get involved in all sorts of activities. And all of those things are going to be good. In the middle of all of it, remember who you are. That'll protect you from a lot of foolishness, a lot of fumbling, 
it, it'll protect you from yourself and from a culture that wants you to fail. Remember who you are. You belong to the King of Heaven. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for reminding us who we are. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to celebrate that. As we go to the table, Lord, we, we are reminded what you have done to make us who we are, to secure us in who we are, and to supply us as your people. So with expectant heart, Lord, we come to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.